0: Hello, my rebels. Today I show you a, a couple of encounters that our reporter Kean Bexley had in Ottawa yesterday. The first uh, one I'll show you is with Candace Bergen of the Conservative Party, deputy leader now, one of my favorite MPs. Great little chat. But the next is with Catherine McKenna, and the two women couldn't be more different. Holy moly, it was a riveting exchange. I loved it. I'll take you through it, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. But before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber of Rebel News Plus. That's basically the video version of this podcast. And today it really counts because you've just got to see Catherine McKenna and Kean Bextie going at it on tape. It, I mean, the podcast will be fun, but you got to see the video. I tell you, it's, it's an eye catching exchange. Um, just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, less than Netflix. Great deal. You can buy a whole year in advance for 80 bucks. And uh, and it helps us keep going because that's really an important source of funds for us. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Catherine McKenna says she's considering regulating everything, but says it's hateful for us to report that. It's September 24th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Thank consumer I know? God. There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government, the a publisher, is because it's my bloody right to do so. Boy, yesterday was a big day. You know, we do a di- daily live stream at 12 noon Eastern. And the fun part of that is you get to chat with us in real time. It's like a radio call-in show, but instead of phoning, you type. It's pretty fun. So I did that at noon till 1 Eastern. Then I did another live stream for a couple hours covering the Governor General's throne speech. Pretty much every liberal idea of the past 10 years was just reheated, like leftovers being served up. To take advantage of the spending mania out there, pharmacare, national daycare, non-starters before. Well, now that Trudeau has learned that the word trillion comes after billion. He pretty much wants to buy everything and spend everything. It's not his money. Lots of US-focused, grouped ideas, too, heavy on the Black Lives Matter themes. And though Trudeau didn't use the word defund the police, he more or less said that the main problem in the field of criminal justice is, in fact, the Mounties. Now, that's American thinking, not Canadian thinking. Same with this Green New Deal policy. That's just Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Build back better. Um, Trudeau said that again and again. Literally Joe Biden's campaign slogan. So after the governor general gave a lengthy speech outlining all of these ideas, Trudeau tricked, I don't know, the national media, saying he needed to give a very important national speech and would all the networks please clear their schedules and give him free airtime. And they did, they just can't stop loving that guy. And he just really repeated a shorter version of the Governor General's speech because for her to get some airtime on TV for the throne speech, well, why doesn't he get to make the throne spree- speech? Isn't he like a prince on a throne? So weird, so unCanadian to trump the Queen's re- representative, but perfectly Trudeau, lying to the media to get them to do favors for him. What a laugh. Anyways, I did a few more hours on uh, TV with Sheila Gunn-Reed covering that. But while i was basically glued to my desk here at our world headquarters we had reporters zooming around the country we're firing back up again so Kean bexty went to ottawa uh he met up with various mps just on the street catching them before they went into buildings i'm glad he had a good chat with candace bergen the deputy leader of the conservative party she's great she's always been one of my favorites here's a quick clip of that i wasn't
1: able to see what your press conference just was would you be able to sure. recap it briefly for me
2: sure There are, I would say, three main areas that we're looking at the government to address in the speech from the throne. Um, Firstly, direct health benefits to Canadians in terms of getting rapid testing available so that people aren't waiting in line for for hours and days to try to get tested. Uh, Secondly, we we believe the country is more uh, divided than ever, a direct result of this Prime Minister's actions, so we'd like to see. Uh, Wording and action that unifies the country and that shows Western Canada that Liberals value them and value uh, the resources that that they develop and that we develop, uh, including agriculture, which is a huge part of my riding. And, And then some fiscal responsibility. This government has done a terrible job of managing the finances of the country when times were good, and we don't have much confidence in them in managing things when they're not good.
0: I always like what she has to say, but the fact that she's not running away from rebel news is a healthy development. You see, under the last conservative leader, I forget his name, you know, the the dairy cartel guy, the guy with the dimples, what's his name? He banned any member of his caucus from even talking with us. Blandrew, that's right, Blandrew Scheer, the man who managed to seize defeat from the jaws of victory. The guy who couldn't stop Trudeau despite the blackface fiasco, despite... SNC-Lavalin, despite the groping, despite the China fiasco and the India fiasco and a dozen more fiascos. Anyways, that guy had banned all of his MPs and senators from even talking with us, which I think really hurt the party because we're the largest independent media company in Canada. We have just under 1.4 million YouTube subscribers, many of whom are conservative members and activists. I'd actually, I'd, I'd call them grassroots, but I'd actually call them grass tops they're the ones who make the $100 donations and put up the lawn signs. Andrew Scheer thought he was being mean to me or to Keen Bexty, or to David Menzies, who he had arrested. Whatever the deep strategy was when they literally had the police pull over David Menzies. But really, uh, Shear was just cutting off his connection with the conservative base. And even worse, he was proving that he had no judgment, that he had no courage, that he would be part of the cancel culture that he would basically do anything the mean girls of the CBC told him to do. You know, the whole time I had some pretty long-standing friends still working in the Conservative Party, even in Shear's own office, and I would ask them, what's the thinking behind cutting off Rebel News? Pretty much the only media really prepared to give them a fair shake. And I was told, and I completely believed this was their thinking, that Andrew Shear thought if any Conservative Party MP spoke to Rebel News, the CBC would jump on them about it. And it would be a story for a week. And they just wanted to avoid being beat up like that. I'm serious. That's what I was told by a pretty senior guy in the campaign. I won't tell you his name, but you probably know who I mean. Um, I said, Andrew Shear actually thought that if he caved in and did what the CBC told him to do, did what the CBC bullies told him to do, and by that I mean the lovely Rosemary Barton, Trudeau's platonic girlfriend, and Katie Simpson and the other mean girls, that if Shear did what those bullies said, mm, they wouldn't steal his lunch money. They wouldn't attack him. I think he thought maybe they would like him or support him. And right in the middle of the campaign, Rosemary Barton actually filed a lawsuit against Andrew Shear, And so did the CBC. But he kept thinking, well, they like me. They really like me. And I think they're really going to be fair to me. And the last moment, I think they're going to champion me. So even after they sued him, he still went back on their shows. He still did interviews with them while he still blackballed us. What a dummy. Anyway, Shear is gone. He's a footnote in history. Um, fundraisers for the party. They're relieved. They don't have to pay for his kids' private school tuition anymore, which they actually they actually did. Sheer insisted on the high life. Like I say, he's a bit of a phony. He's really a privileged Ottawa boy. Not the old truck's prairie boy he pretended to be. He's, he's a hustler, really, and he managed to live large for a few years. Anyway, he's gone and forgotten. And uh, so is his weird self-defeating ban on having conservative MPs, you know, Talk to conservative media. I don't think it really damaged us. We've been quietly growing month after month, year after year. But it damaged the Conservative Party because it made them look cowardly in general and submissive to the CBC in particular. Not a good look for conservatives to be part of cancel culture. Not a good look. So this morning, uh, in our staff meeting, I told Keen and the rest of our staff that I'm happy to help the Conservative Party's MPs and senators rehabilitate their damaged reputation, damaged from participating in the weird CBC-driven boycott of Rebel News. Um, all the timid little MPs who wouldn't stand up to Rosemary Barton and couldn't stand up to Andrew Scheer, they're welcome to reintroduce themselves to 1.4 million conservative viewers again. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome to it. Uh, so now that the conservatives are slowly emerging from the cave in which Andrew Shear told them to hide, uh, let's move on to the liberals. They're welcome to talk to our viewers too. Uh, that's actually what I wanted to talk to you uh, about today. Uh, not all liberals are afraid of Kean, like Andrew Shear was. To my surprise, the liberal mayor of Calgary, Nahid Nanshi, uh, took one of Kean's questions the other day and um, <laughs> actually gave not a bad answer to it. Look at this. Do you think
1: that the ongoing sister cityhood relationship between Calgary and Daqing China is a tacit endorsement of the ongoing genocide in China?
3: You know, that's a great question, and thank you for raising it. Uh, I've been very concerned about what is going on with the Uyghurs. Uh, I've been very concerned about overall issues around Canadian-Chinese relations. I'm very concerned about Michaels, uh, and in fact, I refused to participate in Chinese National Day celebrations this year because of these ongoing situations. All of that said, uh, the sister city relationship has been going on, I don't even know how long, decades and decades and decades. To be honest, it's pretty stale. I mean, we don't have any relationship with our sister city. I've never been there. They've never been here. Uh, we've never met, uh, unlike some of our other sister cities. It's probably something worth looking at, but on the, on the concept of actually affecting change and saving people's lives and improving human rights, Calgary sister city relationship is not the most important thing here. But I would like to see uh, stronger statements from our federal government in particular Uh, on these issues. I think that the ongoing situation uh, with the Uyghurs is probably the most underreported story in the world. And it's an important one people should be paying more attention to.
1: Would you call it a genocide?
3: Uh, I don't know what the technical definition of that term is. But I will tell you that last year, I had the chance to meet a Uyghur woman who escaped, uh, who told me harrowing stories about what she had escaped from, had not heard from her family since she escaped, because they were targeted on her escape and assumes they're dead. Whether that meets the legal conditions of a genocide or not, it is something that has to be condemned.
0: Good for Nahid Nenshi, those are words I never thought I'd say. I think he was speaking the truth there, by the way. I think that was his real answer. I guess a stopped Glock is right twice a day. But back to Kean in Ottawa. So let me show you this first. Here's a tweet by Catherine McKenna. Um, she says, I think there's a lot that we can do, but, the social media companies themselves need to step up. We don't have to regulate everything, but if you can't regulate yourselves, governments will. And then there's a link to a bizarre story by Martin Patrican, who says, I'll just read what he said, the Quebec government has a 12-person war room that ferrets out hate, misinformation, and threats against Premier Francois Legault, published on Facebook and elsewhere. Twelve government agents who do nothing but complain about what citizens say about the premier. Hate. Are you not allowed to hate politicians anymore? I mean, I don't recommend hate as an emotion, but it is a natural emotion, just like jealousy or greed or lust. I mean, go through your list of uh, seven sins. It's natural. We shouldn't wallow in our negative feelings. We should control ourselves, improve ourselves. But just feeling a feeling is no crime. Hate, I think that's just code for what the premier's staff don't like. They don't like being criticized, so they call it hate. They hate being criticized. Uh, misinformation, that's just another way of saying a different opinion. Someone who contradicts the premier. Imagine 12 government bureaucrats holding themselves out as the arbiters of truth. Now, threats, threats I get, if they mean threats of violence. But don't we already have trained police and prosecutors who handle the tough stuff like that? Why would political staff be working the crime beat? I was appalled and surprised when I saw that story and the fact that they directly demand to Facebook to delete what the Premier wants deleted. That's a shocking story. But McKenna retweeted it with approval in French and English, no less. So it wasn't a quick comment off the cuff. It was something she had professionally translated. Let me read it to you again now that I've given you a bit more background. I think there's a lot that we can do, but social media companies themselves need to step up. We don't have to regulate everything but if you can't regulate yourselves, governments will. Now everyone knows to ignore all the words in the sentence before the word, but. That dress looks nice, but. Sure, your hairdo's pretty, but. We don't have to regulate everything, but. And the part to pay attention to is after the but. But, if you can't regulate yourselves, governments will. So she said that in English and French, uh, regulate everything if companies don't. And a link to a cra- crazy, creepy stalker story of stalker bureaucrats stalking citizens for daring to criticize the premier. Stalker, 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 is so creepy. Voyeurism, sneaky spying. Well, can't happened to bump into Catherine McKenna yesterday. And look at this. Hi, Minister, how are you this morning? Could you tell me what you meant
1: uh, when you said yesterday that your government might regulate everything?
2: Uh, I certainly never said that. So well, you uh, said it. You
1: actually said it as always, a threat.
2: Unfortunately, Rebel News always distorts what I say.
1: No, it, it was quite and, clear. Uh, you said it in a tweet as a threat to companies, digital companies that don't regulate themselves. Uh, you said the government could you regulate what everything. I want
2: to say to you sure, that you guys are contributing to hate against me because you spread misinformation and disinformation. I will continue to call out your misinformation and disinformation every single day. Okay, what
1: was the misinformation? Please tell me. I'd be interested to hear.
2: The misinformation and disinformation is what you just said right now. That you
1: threatened yesterday to through. regulate. You, you said on Twitter. Tired.
2: You know what I don't like? Sure, please, please me. Is that you're contributing to all the hate I'm receiving. I did an online, I did a, a, uh, a, an event with women politicians. The amount of hate the women politicians is getting from outlets like you is completely unacceptable. About
1: half of our journalists are women. I, why are you targeting us specifically over that? It's your comments that we're asking you about.
0: First of all, what a cry bully. She calls everyone in the world names. She calls her enemies deniers. Tapping into the language of Holocaust denial. She says she's not the minister for all Canadians, by the way. She has. No time for critics. She won't even talk to them. She hates them, to borrow a phrase. I mean, if you're going to use an emotional word, she's a bit of a hater. Her house husband, Scott Gilmore, who writes for McLean, he's even more foul-mouthed. He calls critics of his wife pigs. He hates people, too. So they can dish it out, this power couple, but they sure can't take it. It's a lame cop-out. It's weak to respond to a genuine question and a genuine criticism by saying, you're lying about me, or by saying, you're causing people to hate me. We've shown you the tweet. Kian got it right. She mused about regulating everything. And to be more specific, regulating the Internet. She put it in writing in English and French. It was no spur-of-the-moment thing. It was later in the throne speech, actually. Kian was correct, saying he's a liar. Well, actually, I think she's lying. And the second point, he and you and Rebel News are making people hate me. Yeah, no, sorry, but people hate all politicians, boys and girls, left-wing and right-wing. People hated Stephen Harper. It was rampant because some people are left-wing and some people are right-wing. And you know, over time, the public tires of every politician. Did you know that the great Winston Churchill himself tired out the British people? And they threw him out of office two months after Germany surrendered in World War II. The war was still raging in the Pacific. In July, the war was over in May in Europe. Two months later, in July, after he saved Britain, British voters threw him out. (laughs) Yeah, no, Kathy, we didn't make Canadians hate you. Canadians hate you because you hate them. Your husband hates them. You tell us that all the time. You conduct yourself in an embarrassing way, emphasizing what we hate about politicians. You live high off the hog on our dime. You spent six grand at the Paris Global Warming Conference on a fashion shoot for yourself. You're vain. You waste money. You've lost billions of dollars. It's not personal, actually. You're just really bad at what you do, which is why Trudeau demoted you from environment minister. Plus, you lie. Yeah, we didn't make you get drunk in a bar and brag about lying to us, Kathy. You did that to you. I actually
2: gave them some real advice. I said that if you actually say it louder, we've learned in the House of Commons, if you repeat it, if you say it louder, if that is your talking point, people will totally believe
0: it. But what gets me about McKenna is that she has this trick. She's like a slippery watermelon, so, you know, you press it from this side, it slips that way. Press it from this side, it slips that way. She endlessly tweets trite, saccharine tweets about women in politics and girls in politics and girl power and women can do anything men can do, which is pretty uncontroversial. I mean, we had a prime minister who was a woman almost 30 years ago, the UK, India, Israel, even Pakistan. Plenty of places have broken that barrier. Fifty years ago, maybe that would be edgy to say, but now it's terribly safe and probably just a distraction from her own boss's sexual harassment scandals. I've been uh, reflecting very carefully on
4: what I remember from that incident almost twenty years ago Uh, and again, I am I feel, I am confident
0: that I uh, did not act inappropriately. But part of this awakening that we're having as a society, a long-awaited Uh, realization is that it's not just uh, one side of the story that matters, that the same
1: interactions could be experienced very differently um, from one person to the next.
0: So Catherine McKenna talks about how women can do anything men can do, pretty vanilla opinion, but I don't know if she actually means it because she has never spoken out against Trudeau's sexual harassment of women. She never tells him to stop groping women. She even allowed him to grope her in public, and she doesn't say anything about it. So I'm not actually convinced by her feminist shtick. She cheered for Trudeau as he fired Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott from cabinet. So I think it's phony. But she goes from the girls can do anything to you can't criticize me because I'm a girl. Stop, you're being mean. You're making people hate me. That's pretty much the opposite of being a strong role model for women. Hey girls, you can do absolutely anything in life. Aim for the top. And if you have any challenges along the way, if someone hates you, as all politicians are hated, just cry about it. Call it gender violence. Have a sobbing press conference about it. Talk about how hard it is to be a girl and tell critics they're Nazis. Yeah, no, you got to pick a lane, lady. Either you're ready for the cut and thrust of public life which includes pretty tame questions from Kean. Or maybe you need to be in a safe space with only softball questions from the CBC. You know, when Kean was at a joint government of Alberta, government of Canada press conference a few weeks ago, uh, he was there and he asked McKenna a basic question. She saw it was him and she literally clicked off, she logged off of her computer without even (laughs) saying goodbye because she's just such a weird, cowardly, crybaby, bully, passive aggressive, can't handle any criticism kind of minister. I mean, there are men who are cowards too. Being a coward is not a gendered thing. I'd actually hazard a guess that most women politicians are a little bit tougher than their male counterparts, probably a bit harder to achieve high success as a woman in politics, all things being equal. But Catherine McKenna is the biggest coward in Parliament, and that's got nothing to do with her being a woman. It's got everything to do with her being a Trudeau liberal who would rather censor us than answer us. Yeah, good luck with that, lady. Stay with us for more.
3: more control, more everything that's against freedom. That's what they want.
2: Some people even say that it's coordinated in some form or another by certain leaders.
3: There's no way I could possibly fight against a government that is lining up against me. You
4: have no freedom, you have no control of the political process, you are a mere drone. It's more than a climate monarchy. They want to return
1: us to an age of kings. Evil triumphs when good men stand idly by.
0: Don't look at the facts. Nothing to see here. Move along and follow the party line. This isn't just bad science. This is the death of science. Don't miss this important film, Climate Hustle 2. Climate Hustle 2. Well, you might remember that Rebel News hosted the Canadian premieres of the first climate hustle a few years ago sold out screenings in calgary and edmonton joining us now the boss of climate hustle 2 our friend mark morano from ClimateDepot.com. great to see you and wow was that the actor from hercules kevin sorbo
4: yes he's the host of the film and uh he does a great job uh you know he goes through and he he does some great uh, explanations. In fact, his time in Hollywood, he dealt with a lot of this kind of intimidation and he saw all the Hollywood hypocrisy when it comes to climate. He even met Al Gore one time. So mm. uh, Kevin Sorbo is great at this.
0: I like him. He's one of the few people in Hollywood willing to zig where everyone else zags. That's yeah. a town that pretends they're so pure that they have the artistic freedom to dissent. But it's actually um, the peer pressure there to conform it's worse than any high school clique. hes I think you can count on one hand the number of A or B listers who are dissidents. I mean, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, and I'm almost done, <laughs> and Kevin Sorbo, so good for you. Dean Kane I'd put in there also. Yeah. Uh, Mel Gibson. So tell me a little bit more about Climate Hustle 2. I, I enjoyed Climate Hustle 1. That showed, well, the hustle, the the shenanigans, the schemes behind the global warming movement, the global warming industry. What does Climate Hustle 2 do?
4: What's the second part of the story? Well, the first part, as you mentioned, we dealt mostly with the science, the agenda, the distortions of the science. We went through the whole idea of CO2 is not the control knob of the climate. We went through the extreme weather. We went through you know, comparing it to the witchcraft, uh, medieval witchcraft, where they're blaming everything, your SUVs on every bad weather event. And we talked a little bit about the intimidation of science. But this film is now the why. What's behind this agenda? So we go into the Green New Deal, the UN Paris Agreement. I interviewed Christina Figueres, former UN climate chief. I interviewed Hans Schulenhuber, the man who wants a CO2 budget for every man, woman, and child on the planet. Uh, And we go through and expose the Green New Deal. The architects admit that it is not a climate thing; that is a quote, change the whole economy thing." Unquote. Uh, Christina Figueres of the UN once seeks a centralized transformation that will make life on planet Earth very different. So we go into the agenda and we go into the impact. We, we I went to Czech Republic. I interviewed uh, Václav Klaas for this film. He spent a day with me, and he talks about growing up under Soviet domination in Czechoslovakia. Uh, and he's now, which is now the Czech Republic. And he says the greatest threat we face to freedom since the fall of the Berlin wall and the Soviet union is what he calls ambitious environmentalism from the climate movement. Uh, He calls it master mining from above, Hmm. which I think is a great phrase to talk about this technocracy that COVID and climate are ushering in together. By the way, as we open with the COVID climate connection, the Mm. idea that all the climate leaders from John Kerry, Al Gore, the UN, Greta Thunberg, are lusting and drooling over the solutions of lockdowns. This is what they've sought. This is what they want. Essentially, our lives are going to be ruled by nameless, faceless bureaucrats who are doing it for our safety and for the good of the planet. And that's why they're excited about, you know, if you love the climate, the COVID lockdowns, you're gonna love the coming climate lockdowns.
0: Yeah, you're so right. Um, Well, I mentioned earlier that we were uh, proud to host you. I mean, and you came out to Alberta where we had an event in Calgary and Edmonton. You might recall those theaters. They were sort of alternative theaters, completely packed. In fact, I felt terrible. We slightly oversold the Calgary event and had to turn some people away. Um, Wonderful events. People loved it. You answered questions in the Q&A. The name of those theaters, you wouldn't remember it. It was four years ago. The one in Edmonton was called The Princess, the one in Calgary was called The Plaza. I went back last year to rent those same theaters for a book launch, Mark, and I knew the boss, I had done business with him before, he was thrilled with the events we had with you, but he was pressured by a Twitter mob, and he actually de-platformed my book launch wow. in both of those events. He tore up the contract, even though we had paid for it in full in advance. I mentioned that, the deplatforming in those very theaters that we hosted you, and I reminded him of that. He said, Yes, I've never banned a show in 30 years, and I'm not going to start now. But he indeed did start now. Wow. I mentioned that because you have been canceled and deplatformed in your movie, Climate Hustle 2. Tell me the different censors who are trying to stop people from getting your movie.
4: Well, first of all, Twitter has banned the Climate Hustle 2 account for no real rational explanation. I and myself at my Climate Depot account have recently been shadow banned. I'm getting all reports where people aren't getting my feed, aren't seeing it. And also my number of followers, they keep doing this purge, which they've been doing to a lot of conservatives, libertarians. They go through and if, if the account, I guess they have certain things and they, they just purge you of followers with no explanation. But the big thing that happened is we approached Amazon Prime because they did our last film, which was in over 400 theaters in US and Canada. And by the way, as with this movie, climate climate hustle 2 was set to be in nearly 800 theaters we were going to double our output until covid lockdowns wow theater business but amazon dragged their feet finally came back and said a content review found that the film was you know not appropriate for amazon prime climate hustle 2. and guess what at the same time we must have triggered they didn't realize it we had had climate hustle one on amazon prime for years since 2016. Mm -hmm. After we asked for Climate Hustle 2, they pulled Climate Hustle 1 down, almost as if like, we reminded them, oh, they shouldn't be having that. Hmm. So now, not only is Climate Hustle 2 not on Amazon Prime, but neither is uh, Climate Hustle 1. They pulled it. So they really, the world really has changed in the last just few years. It's amazing how in lockstep the censorship is coming now from all directions.
0: Now, um, I should tell you that my own book on the pandemic called China Virus Uh, was banned by Amazon for two months, then it was unbanned for a week, then it was re-banned, and then it was re-unbanned. And they gave me the same explanation both times. They said, it contradicts official sources. They wouldn't tell me who those official sources were. (laughs) Medical sources, political sources, the UN, China, they wouldn't ever say. And we had lawyers write to them. And they never answered, and I know I'm talking too much about me, but I'm trying to compare notes no, it's, from one banned it, it, guy to another. What was the, even if it was two words, what were the two words they told
4: you why your stuff was banned? It's just a content review. They wouldn't tell us. They don't give you, they didn't, they, they mostly they just don't respond. They basically just said, no, we can't do it. There's really no appeal process. And then they pulled the old film. But I, I can answer your thing about um, against official uh, you know, position. If you say anything on COVID or climate, that contradicts with the National Academy of Science and/or the UN IPCC. By the way, the, the National Academy of Science is 100% funded by governments, both state and federal. So they're paid to say that climate is an emergency. They support carbon taxes. It's a lobbying, scientific lobbying. Science has become another branch of government. In the case of COVID, if you if the if the CDC director just comes out and makes a comment, you know he thinks masks are more effective than a vaccine. Suddenly, if you dispute that, you're going up against the official government line, and mm-hmm. then if you do that, you get warning labels and you get banned. Mm-hmm. That's not a free country. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I, It's very hard to keep hope because there's really there's very little. Uh, very little pushback from anyone in power on these matters. I mean, you know, even Republicans running in America here aren't really fighting about lockdowns. They're just, you know, yeah. they're wearing, you know, President Trump, to give you an example, President Trump was booed today in Washington, screamed at, yelled. Mm-hmm. People, when he stood out in front of uh, Ruth Gader Ginsburg's casket, well, he had a mask on. If I had been there, I may have shouted at him too to, you know, to get the mask off because it's part of this uh, um movement of conformity, and if you don't do it, you get banned and attacked. So Climate Hustle too goes deep into that. We go, we profile the scientists who actually, uh, whose careers have been ruined. We talked to Willie Soon, we talked to Tim Ball, who faced lawsuits, who faced uh, media attacks, who faced, you know, loss of jobs. David Le Gates, uh who's actually the Delaware State Climatologist, lost his job, who's now actually being considered for a federal scientist position at NOAA. We'll see how that goes. The media is already going nuts. Hmm. Well,
0: if it's banned from Amazon Prime, there are still some other ways to get it. What's the best way for our viewers to watch Climate Hustle 2?
4: Well, what we're doing is uh, September 24th, it's airing live at 8 p.m. around the world at eight o'clock. Uh, it's at climatehustle2.com. And then immediately after that, September 25th forward, you'll be able to watch it, order it on demand and order DVDs from climatehustle2.com. The number or the letter uh, or, or the word, climatehustle2.com.
0: Right. Well, that that's good. I mean, of course, movie theaters are shut down almost everywhere, which is yeah. a shame because we would have loved to have hosted that again. Although Who knows? I mean, the Plaza and the Princess in Alberta have gone from the most free-speechy theaters to the least free-speechy theaters in Canada. We would have to, who knows, do it at a drive-in. A uh, drive-in! And and we would have to have different rates. If you drove a Tesla or another (laughs) electric car, or if you drove a pickup truck or an SUV, we'd have to have different rates or something.
4: That's right. Penalize. I mean, they're the ones causing the rare-earth mining in Africa... Uh, Owned by Chinese companies that... uh, I don't want those huge... And how are you going
0: to dispose of the battery when it's done?
4: I don't think they've
0: even figured that part out. Well, listen, Mark, congratulations on the movie. We enjoyed being part of Climate Hustle 1. I'm glad Climate Hustle 2 is coming out. It looks exciting. Kevin Sorbo is great. I'm upset but not surprised that you were banned by Amazon. Join the club. And I'd like to encourage our viewers. You heard, Mark. So this will be aired tonight, September 24th. Uh, our interview will be uh, aired at 8 p.m., which is actually when your video will go live. So I'll encourage people to go to ClimateHustle2, the number two, dot com, and check it out. Um, Thanks for joining. I'm sort of excited. Good for you for not being silenced by the censors.
4: Well, thank you Ezra. Appreciate it. So, climatecastle2.com. I think your audience will particularly love it. We go through Hollywood hypocrisy, kids indoctrination, uh, shrinking humans, the, the everything is in this film. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we have a special uh, content at the end, a panel with John Stossel and others in it.
0: Oh, wow. You didn't tell me that. John Stossel, he's one yeah. of the best. He's absolutely yeah. one of he's yeah. the best in the business. Well, that's great. I look forward to watching it myself. Thanks, Mark.
4: Thank you, Ezra. Appreciate All right. It.
0: There you have it, Mark Moreno the boss of climatedeepo.com with the big news. His sequel is back, and it sounds better than even the first one. Sometimes the sequels are sort of an echo. This sounds like he's really raised uh, the stakes and upped his game. You can get that at climatehustle2.com. Stay with us. More ahead. (laughs) On my show last night on The Throne Speech, Bruce writes... Trudeau has no understanding of reality, especially that of the middle class. This makes me yearn all the more for Wegzit. Yeah, I mean, Western issues have been sort of in the fridge for six months as the pandemic has taken up all the political conversations in the land. But you can see even in that throne speech, the only role for Trudeau and Saskatchewan in, sorry, for Alberta and Saskatchewan in Trudeau's Canada is to lead the way to decarbonize. Yeah, no. Deb writes, the Build Back Better slogan is just one of the many links that directly connects American radical Democrats to Justin's radical liberal government. Oh yeah, they bring up Democrats all the time to help run their campaigns. It would be a scandal if Harper or Scheer or O'Toole had uh, brought up Republicans to run the campaign. Uh, But it just shows that they're not even having made in Canada policies. I mean, a lot of it feels really American, like the whole defund police thing. That's not a Canadian move. Chris writes, we're going to be paying for this for a long time. Yeah, just like Pierre Trudeau, his dad, he gave us a debt that took a generation to pay off. You know what, though? The debt is the least of my worries. His attacks on our civil liberties, as Catherine McKenna wants to censor us, that's actually worrying me more. Well, that's our show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for free.